0: This episode was brought to you by the Thrive Factor Coach Certification offered by Thrifactor School. The certification is a unique, immersive experience into professional coaching and developing proficiency using the Thrifactor Framework and its 12 female-centric self-leadership archetypes. Being a Thrifactor Factor Coach offers a unique gift of personal transformation your clients will be filled with gratitude for. This is a genuine opportunity to engage in a world-class personal and professional training experience and become part of a community of impact makers as a licensed Thrifad coach. To find out more, email hello at thrifaddeco.com. Hey, superstars, a huge welcome to episode 36. Now, if you're a regular follower of she, Leads, she Thrives, you may have realized we missed a weekly episode last week. Now, there's good reason for that, and it wasn't totally planned at all. I've just wrapped up my first international business retreat for women in three and a half years on the 28th of May, and I had planned to prepare a fresh episode with you in the early days of retreat to be released last Friday. But life and retreat took over and this became an opportunity to let things flow and allow timing to play out as it was clearly destined to despite my initial intentions. So this week I'm back with a complete retreat wrap, including insights into why I had retreats in my business model, things to be mindful of, how I plan and decide what to focus on, the experience and how I bring intentionality into every single piece of all of my retreats. I'll also be sharing some of the things shared with this year's participants and share news of the two 2024 retreats and why I'm expanding into a new destination next year, plus how I decided where to adventure to. Now, I'm Shannon Dunn, business and leadership coach supporting the ambitious impact-driven souls of the world. Women determined and destined to leave their mark and have their destiny speak their story of belief, inspiration, wisdom, and courage into the world forevermore. So today, as host at Chi Lee, Chi Thrive's podcast, I can't wait to take you on a retreat immersion. Are you ready? I feel like I want to say, get your passports out, pack your bags, but you know, we're in a virtual space, so get ready for an incredible ride all the same. Let's go back to around 2011-ish or so, somewhere around then. I don't remember the exact year, but I was sitting in a room surrounded by women I knew and some I didn't. We'd gathered in Bali to share a retreat experience, focused on art and yoga. It was my first time traveling overseas to attend a retreat. I participated in many before, but not gone on a plane with my passport previously to go retreating. I vividly remember sitting with a duality of excitement and nervousness. I'm not often a nervous person, but that's the best way to describe the anticipation of not knowing what was about to unfold in the week ahead of us. It ended up being a phenomenal experience. There were many personal transformation expansion moments and many times over I saw visions of myself in the retreat leadership role. I envisaged myself hosting retreats with such vibrant detail that I never forgot that vision imprinted, if you like, in my soul during that experience. As a long term lover of travel, like such a long term lover, going back to my teens when I first went overseas, to my 20s when I journeyed as a backpacker, to the ensuing decades that have been filled with all kinds of travel, traveling, I feel like it's part of my sole contract. I was actually sharing with one of my retreat participants just in the last week or so how, as a little person, we'd go to a shopping center, a shopping mall, and I would kind of seek out the you know, wherever the travel place was, um, there was always a travel agent somewhere in a shopping mall. And I would go and collect all of the print brochures, and bring them home, cut out all the pictures, stick them places, clearly making vision boards before I knew what a vision board was. But it was my desire to see the world that never left me. So really, as I said, I do feel like traveling as part of my sole contract, I have no doubt about this. I have traveled far and wide and have a list of places I'm yet to visit, but we'll focus on getting to in this lifetime for sure. So adding retreats to my business model felt so obvious. It didn't take me, it did take me, I should say, about seven years to go from that visioning space of possibility and potentiality for everything to come together to host my first international retreat. Like there's no specific reason for the delay in time. But over these many years in business, I've worked with clients in group scenarios, but a whole week together in a different country with multi-faceted logistics is next level compared to events in your own country in your own space. Now I've had people ask me why I host retreats when they are obviously a lot of work and energy. I've had people question their profitability, been challenged as to why I lead them the way I do. But you know what? I wouldn't change this part of my business for anything right now. It's one of the most expansive things I do and offer, and having just been immersed in the 2023 retreat after an enforced break of three and a half years, I fell in love with retreating all over again. So when I returned to Australia in November 2019, I never imagined that the retreat for October 2020 that was filling up fast will be cancelled. I never imagined, as I know, was common across the world that we would not be able to travel freely. I never imagined the impact of not being able to fulfill one of my most significant parts of my business and would have on my mindset, my sense of purpose, my freedom. But here we are, though, back to doing what I was doing late 2019 and planning the fabulous expansions in 2024 and beyond. Now, I remember hearing people say things like retreats change lives and way back when thinking that sounded like a nice idea and awesome possibility. But the thing is, this phrase gets shared because it is a retreat truth. Retreats, both participating in them and, from my experience, hosting them have changed my life and business for the better. And at Thrive Had to Code, they're here to stay. Now, I did say I would share some things to be mindful of. So here are my top considerations before diving into retreat hosting. In no particular order, let me just say that. I just wrote a a list of the things that were top of mind and heart. And you know what? I ended up with 12 of them, so let's go through them all. So if you are already hosting retreats or considering doing that, these are things that I would recommend you consider. As I said, they're in no particular order, so let's just go through and just go through 1 to 12 and I'll share them with you. So the first one, be super clear on your proposed expenses and factor in contingency funds to navigate things like unexpected changes in prices at your destination and changeable exchange rates on currencies. Just this year, I found that despite my extensive research when I priced the retreat back in August of 2022, that in once we got to May 2023, the exchange rate meant that things were a lot more expensive. I also found that things just generally were a lot more expensive. For example, transportation, which is something that I pay for for us to get to our activities, has gone up, I would say, 30%. You know, we all know all around the world, no matter where you are, that the cost of fuel has gone up. So I expected that, but you know, these are things you need to be mindful of. So the second thing to consider when pricing, take into account the amount of time and effort you'll put into pre and post retreat organization and production, as well as the reality that you'll be on and available for the duration of your retreat. This isn't always something that's easy to price because you don't exactly know how much time pre and post retreat you'll be spending. To, Doing various things, connecting with your attendees, preparing documentation, all of that kind of thing. And then when you are on retreat, you literally are switched on the whole time. Now, this, as I said, is not an easy thing to necessarily price, but just be mindful of that and keep that in mind and make sure that you are being rewarded financially for everything that you're putting into what you're doing. I know for me, I don't necessarily charge for this because it's not something I can, but. You know, I traveled up to retreat for this year. We started on a Saturday. I traveled the Monday before. So I was up in in Bali, which is where we were for a number of days beforehand to prepare, to get printing done, to make sure the rooms were as I expected them to be, all these kinds of things. And as the attendees for this year's retreat started traveling to Bali from different parts of Australia because they were all Australian-based participants this year, I was already in my mind and in my heart already aware of their travel of you know did they get to their destination time many of them traveled early and stayed in other parts of Bali before coming up to Ubud and the day that we commenced which was a Saturday you know it's about logistics a day before really a couple of days before about drivers picking people up what times what dates you know Oh, sorry, not what day so much, what times, which order? Like there's so many different things. And being mindful that some participants at times or attendees can have different ideas about what they think things need to look like, feel like, and be like that don't always work with the local providers. So, you know, you put a lot of energy and effort into all of that well beforehand. And even afterwards, you know, retreat wrapped up on Sunday. It's a few days later that I'm recording this solo episode for you so it can go live this week. You know, every day I've done something to do with retreat. Um, In terms of wrapping up the retreat, communicating with everyone, we have a wrap-up call. There is a lot that goes into that. So just keep that all in mind when you're pricing and ensure where you can that you are pricing for profitability. Okay, number three of my list of 12. Arrive at your destination at least a few days before so you can check in with local service providers ensure accommodation is ready for your guests to arrive and you're aware of any specifics that you need to be aware of. This makes such a difference, I have found, on building that relationship with the location or the place that we're staying. Now, in Ubud in Bali, we have returned to a place I have stayed at before for retreats. For the foreseeable future, I see us going back there. It was really fabulous to be able to reconnect with some of the senior managers at this place where we stay and one of them particularly to say to me, oh, hello, welcome back. I remember you. It was three and a half years ago that I was last there. But Mare was like, no, I remember. I saw your name. I see you coming back. I see you have a group. Um, he's worked at this um, accommodation for 17 plus years, he was telling me, and prides himself on remembering when there are leaders of groups bring their groups back. That's a big deal for them and a huge part of this particular location where we stayed A huge part of their business is having and hosting groups of various sizes, mostly yoga groups, sometimes art groups, not often business groups. But, you know, for me, it's a business group. So, you know, being able to do that, it makes such a difference. And just check in with all of your uh, service providers wherever you are. Number four of my list of 12 things to consider, add a few days to uh, even up to a week post-retreat for some downtime. Whilst I adore hosting retreats, they do take a lot of energy. So downtime to rest ahead of going home is a non-negotiable for me and has been since the first international retreat I hosted. Now, if possible, even move to a new location so you can separate yourself from the retreat space and location. Now, you might move to another place in the country. You might move to another uh, accommodation. It's up to you entirely. You might not want to move. Uh, I tend to uh, find that my retreat attendees move on the day of or the day after we wrap up retreat. Uh, but if you really want some downtime and want to disconnect yourself from the entire retreat experience to to rest, I know for me it's it's a rest time, it's a sleep time, it's a catching up on some of the business things that I wasn't able to do when I was in retreat. You know, it's it's just more leisurely enjoying not having a schedule to be anywhere, and going home can be quite confronting for a lot of people. I tend to find not so much for me these days, but for when you're an attendee at retreat, it can be a big deal to go from the often intensity and in and, and, um, the schedule of a retreat environment to you know the next day or the, the day that you wrap up or the next day you're going straight home into whatever life was like before you left and you're a different person. So uh, the same thing can be for a retreat host. So have some extra days if you can uh, just for yourself Uh, solo if that works for you. I know in the past I've had a friend come up to stay with me. My mum came up one year, a couple of days after retreat wrapped up, and we had a lovely little holiday together. You know, whatever works for you, but just some downtime doing something different. Pay number five, build relationships with local service providers where you can. Like I'm proud to have a team of incredible people that I work with in Bali, some I've known for more than a decade, they appreciate the work I give them and are so welcoming for my groups each time we connect. And as a side note to this, I've made a commitment from the beginning that I would prioritize local service providers of product businesses. So I choose to work with locally owned businesses, including say restaurants that we eat at and accommodation wherever I can. This way, the money that we spend stays local and supports small business a majority of the time. And that's something that's really important to me. When you are paying say for accommodation at a a venue that is owned by an international organization, the money doesn't necessarily go into the local economy. And when I think about the places that I'm traveling to for retreats, you know, the economy is very different to how it is in Australia or in a first world country. So the individuals that we're working with, they don't earn a lot of money. Yes, their cost of living is different to what we have. But I would like them to, to receive the maximum amount uh, of what we are bringing in, myself and my attendees, um, just receive as much of that as possible. Number six, this would be clear who your retreat is for. And don't be concerned either about saying no to someone who is just a not good fit for your group. You don't have to accept them just because they're willing to pay to come. This is really a business lesson. You don't have to work with everybody who wants to pay you or wants to to join a program or work with you in some way. If you really truly feel that someone's not right for the group, then honour your instincts on that. Okay, number seven of my 12, get your paperwork in order early. Now, I have a highly detailed retreat terms and conditions and agreement document, as well as written contracts with service providers, a thorough health form. And I collect a lot of details from my attendees, including like two lots of next of kin, contact details and travel insurance information. When you're away from home, as a retreat leader, you are the participant's advocate. So being able to support them by being prepared and able to quickly access information the event that there is an issue a concern an illness or an injury is essential so get all your paperwork in order uh, you know make sure you have follow-ups make sure you get everything from everybody my business manager helps me with this as needed it makes such a difference to having all that all there and having a good system to access that information work out what you need to print to take with you what you can access digitally and then make sure that you have access to do that digitally as well Number eight, plan to connect with your participants both before and after retreat. Now this might sound obvious, but I've certainly been on retreats as a participant or an attendee where there was very little before and after. And it's not 100% required, but I know for me, particularly those first couple of retreats I went on as an attendee, I feel like I would have made a difference, particularly the homecoming part, Um, a softer landing if you like. Uh, being able to have a a connection with the group. So being able to connect with your attendees both before and after retreat gives a chance to create some group connection. You can answer questions, set the scene pre-retreat. And a post-retreat catch-up is a great way to continue the connections made and to do a general check-in. Returning home to all that someone left can be challenging, even for the most resilient soul and someone that travels regularly you have just been in an entire week or however long your retreat was of expansion, of thinking differently, of having different experiences, of getting to know yourself differently. And you go home a different person. And often you go home to family or your clients or your business connections or partners or friends, and they're expecting you to kind of be the same. And you're not. And that can be, as I said before, quite confronting for some people. So you know, being able to support your attendees with, uh, you know, just a, a call a couple of weeks after you everyone sort of gets home or after retreat wraps up can make a massive difference for a lot of people and they really feel supported. Okay, number 10, plan well in advance. Now where I can, there is at least an eight-month, often even 12-plus months lead time between opening registrations and the retreat commencing. And I found my retreats are sold out within days to weeks of retreats or, or registrations opening. But once you have all of your places secured, you can enjoy the countdown, share in your marketing ahead of time, share also what you can about future retreats, and seeding what is coming can create a lot of interest for future, um, for potential future guest attendees, which makes a huge difference. Plus, giving yourself that space and time to be prepared to get everything done because you're not... I imagine, like me, you're not just hosting retreats as as your business model. Retreats is one part of your business model and you've got other things going on as well. And, of course, life. Okay, number 11 of our 12. Visit the location, so where you're going to be hosting your retreat before you host your retreat. Or choose somewhere you know well and have connections this makes a world of difference to your planning, to organisation and to delivery. And of course, this can possibly influence your attendee experience. For me, it's it was an easy thing to come to Bali for my first retreats and to particularly go to Ubud, which is a place that I have retreated to. I have uh, come to know like a second home. You know, things change. Yeah, there's, there's places open, places closed, different people to connect with. But generally, I know Ubud very well. I know what to expect. I know what to do if there is an issue or a concern. I have local connections there as a a support. And it's a place I love with all my heart. So it made it easy to be able to come here for a retreat. And I'll talk a little bit later about the fact that we're expanding into a new location in 2024 and how I chose where we would go for that new location. And the last one of these considerations is ensure the accommodation allows for every attendee to have their own room and a bathroom. Now, this really is a non-negotiable and has been for me since day one. When you're away from home, there are a lot of things that can come up. Sleep can be already disturbed by a few new environment, new noises, a vastly different bed and pillow situation. I'm laughing because sometimes I'd be like, what am I sleeping on? Like, it looks like a bed, but it's very uncomfortable. Or, you know, the, um, a pillow that is, I don't even know if you could call it a pillow, those kind of things. And I'm laughing now, but trust me at the time, it was incredibly, uh, impactful and not having that opportunity to rest and to sleep can make a huge difference to how you can show up as an attendee. And particularly if you're hosting, um, getting that rest time is incredibly important. So you don't want to find out that, you know, when you turn up to a retreat that you're sharing a room with another person, even if it's the friend you came on retreat with, like personal space and a place to literally retreat and get some alone time is a priority. You know, Asia is the place that I go to at this point in time to host my retreats. You know, some people's digestion and um, way of eating changes. There can be tummy upsets and different things. As I said, you want your own bathroom as well as your own room, your own bed to sleep in. Um, It's incredibly important that people have their privacy and feel that they can be comfortable in their own space, that they can unpack their things, that they're not worried about, you know, encroaching on somebody else's personal space. So I know that there is a trend, particularly say for retreats in Bali to have a, a beautiful villa that often has multiple rooms, but you find that people are sharing or maybe it has the potential for having say six to 10 people like in terms of beds sleeping, but you might have two bathrooms and you know, if you're getting up in the morning and off to do something for retreat and you've got to work out who get up early or something to make sure that you can have a shower when you want you know, I don't want people to think about that. I want people to feel that they can be as comfortable as possible and make their their room where we stay feel like home for the time that we are there. I'm sure there are more things that I could add to that list, but those, as I said, were the, the top ones on my on my heart and in my head uh, that I wanted to share with you all. So next it's time to share a little bit about how I plan and decide what to focus on. Um, my retreats at this point in time are for men in business. And as a long term business and self leadership coach, the focuses for my retreats are really are relatively easy to choose. They are an extension of my core coaching and education services and programs, but delivered in a retreat environment. Really, that's it. And the overall focus of Thrive Act Co Retreats is self leadership and legacy. And then from next year, we begin with an annual focus. So, with two retreats in two individual locations in 2024 the theme will be self-led soul. So I think CEO vibes, but your way in terms of retreat masterclass content. There are some elements of my retreats that are the same each year to maintain some consistency, but also each year with a change in the sub-focus or sub-theme, there'll be a brand new masterclass as shared with everyone. I like to keep my content fresh and current and as much as possible, aligned with what you're looking for in terms of your own learning and expansion. So this adds variety and offers opportunity for attendees to come year in, year out and have a new experience. It also keeps it interesting for me and has provided a a chance for me to stretch myself beautifully in terms of content choice and delivery design. I also get to create retreat-specific resources that are, where possible, personalized for attendees. Where it's really taken them into consideration. Now, every one of the attendees at my retreats, if they haven't already been profiled and know their thripet archetypes, that's included and they get to do that as a bonus. Now, this gives me an overview of who we've got coming to retreat from an archetype perspective. And while not every set of archetypes will play out exactly the same, There are consistent potential behavior responses, mindset responses, emotional responses for certain archetypes. So I can see ahead of time with a particular masterclass we're doing or a retreat activity we're doing, a cultural experience, how that might land for someone based on their archetypes. It gives me such an opportunity to really understand what could be going on for someone and to support them as best as I can uh, through whatever may come up for them. So each year, I also teach something about the 12 Thrive Factor Archetypes. It is brand new at retreat. Even the Thrive Factor Coach committee don't know what I teach at retreats. And there were two Thrive Factor Coaches on this year's retreat. And so the content we taught about Thrive Factor Archetypes was new for them. And I love that, that they get something new as well. The experience is so important to me. I consciously bring intentionality into every single piece of all my retreats. And I create the kind of retreats that I'd want to attend. That's an awesome litmus test to check for alignment. Whilst every attendee comes with their own expectations influenced by her past experience of traveling, of attending group events or other retreats, my focus is on considering the major, or I should say the majority more than the major. And as I said, what I'd love in terms of experiences and schedule. Now I can 100% say that some of my retreat experiences in the past as an attendee or a participant haven't been what I hoped that they would be, haven't stacked up to my expectations, haven't delivered in the way that I dreamed that they possibly would. They've all been positive in the majority, but some of those different things that I've experienced or feedback I've heard from other people that have been on those retreats with me have a hundred percent influenced the way that I have pulled my retreats together and, and how I, uh, focus on and choose what I'm going to include and how we schedule all of that across the week. Now, I have have certainly had things some attendees were resistant to, other things including retreats that people did not enjoy, some where the occasional person chose not to participate. And this is all part of working with groups. And as a retreat leader, you can't take these decisions by your attendees personally. You want to, but you've got to really not do that. Staying focused on the majority whilst checking the individual who has made a different choice is okay with their choice is the best that you can do. Now, having the Inspire Believer Thrapeta Archetype, I get wildly attached to all we do in the utmost excitement, yeah? So there have been times when I felt disappointment when someone doesn't want to participate uh, is obviously wanting to be somewhere else or can, cannot participate because they're unwell, something's going on and they need some time to rest. But I've had to learn to be as detached as possible whilst maintaining my genuine enthusiasm for what we're about to do so that I show up for those who show up and am still mindful of whoever, if there is somebody who is not there present, what's going on for them and how I can support them as well. Kind of like being in two places at once, but you know, I pull it off. I plan the activities well in advance and I do spend a lot of time communicating with service providers to ensure that all dates. Times, transport and other arrangements are in place. That I've learned many times over does not always mean that things run smoothly or not on time as scheduled. You know, we're in a different country. People have different priorities. But just as an example, with my recent retreat, I booked our spa experience six weeks in advance, communicated regularly, had a long email trail with proof of our booking, checked reviews multiple times before booking at this spa because it wasn't my first preference. The actual top of my list spa couldn't accommodate our group of eight despite a seven-week advance notice, which shocked me. But you know, that's how things happen sometimes. So and yet despite an email the day before to reconfirm with the spa we did choose to go to that they would pick us up and receiving a reply confirming the date and time again, we found ourselves waiting and having to get our accommodation to to actually follow up with this particular venue. 45 minutes later, we were all had arrived and had to wait a little bit longer for our, our treatments to begin. Now, one of the treatments I booked for everyone, frequently one of my favorite things to experience at a spa in Bali, was received with a lukewarm response from half of the group. Now, the experience was not what I'd booked or what I we were all expecting. So I intervened and shared that feedback with a spa. And to be honest, I won't use them again, despite their excellent reviews. Things happen, experiences change. But as a retreat leader, you have to be able to intervene fast and do what you can to make sure the experience is a positive one for the group. Now, because of what this experience was, I didn't find out that people weren't happy with it until afterwards when we were still at their venue and they were able to share their feedback. So during the process of it all, I couldn't go around and check, you know, and intervene and interrupt someone's massage and everything and say, how's it all going? Do we need to change this? That's not appropriate. But I did get feedback quickly and sometimes. You know, there's little you can do other than pass on the feedback from your attendees, but do this. It really is so important. Now, as a side note here, if you have a phenomenal experience, be proactive and review the location or the experience or the service provider. As a business owner, you know the value of a genuine review, but don't wait to be asked to share one. Share the love and appreciation. It could really be the difference in someone making a choice to work with that provider in the future or attend that restaurant or participate in an activity and I feel like it's a, a simple thing to do that takes a tiny bit of time to really say thank you to someone who went out of their way to support us. So what do we actually do with this year's Leadership and Legacy Retreat in the Wood and Bali? Well, there are so many amazing things. The highlights for attendees based on their feedback were the blend of business and self-leadership focused masterclasses with the local activities like visiting the most divine water temple for what the Balinese call a water purification process. Now, just as a side note to this, this year, the experience fell on an auspicious day in the Balinese calendar, the day after Sarasvati Day, which coincided with the commencement of our retreat. So just literally a couple of days before we commenced on 20th of May, I found out that it was an auspicious day to be commencing a week-long immersion for women in business. Because the 20th of May this year in the Balinese calendar is the day the Balinese people show their respect and appreciation to the Hindu goddess Sarasvati. She's the goddess of wisdom and learning and in reading about her I've also discovered she's the goddess of speaking and self-expression. So what an ideal day for the self-leadership and legacy retreat to begin. Then the following day, the day that we were scheduled to visit the water temple under the guidance of a local priestess, Lumani, we discovered was, let me, I'm not going to get this pronunciation right but I'm going to try, Banyu Pinaru. A day that she described that most Balinese participate in water blessings. They go go to their local holy springs or to the ocean. And it always falls the day after Sarasvati Day and occurs every six months. So talk about synchronicity. I had no idea about these different days falling on their day one of retreat and on our water day of retreat or our water purification day. So this for me definitely added to the power of the retreat in this particular activity. Now, we had spa time, as I mentioned, we shared meals in incredible restaurants and our days with intention-setting and creative expression. Uh, We thought a lot, shared a lot, listened to each other, supported each other, shared a creative experience. This year, it was a Batee class as someone I first joined for a Batee class over a decade ago. Now, without therapy in my background and being an artist, there is always, always, always a creative expression in every retreat. I have about four favorites I wrote each year. So there is something new for everyone returning and it's always a lot of fun. And I've shared pics and reels over on my Instagram. If you want to see what we got up to just head to Insta and you go to Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor and you'll be able to find what um, I've shared in the last week or so. Uh, And we also had a day at the Sound Healing Center in the Wood, Pyramids of Chi. It was so fabulous to be back there immersed in the most incredible experience. I've, been visiting this place for, I oh don't know, about six years, maybe, and it never disappoints. Being able to spend the entire day there and enjoy the amb- ambience and the surrounds, nourished by the incredible cafe on site and work together at a secluded table was just brilliant. And we found out that the sound healer we had for the day, that was his first time hosting a sound healing session in three years. He was a regular sound healer that used to come and work at Pyramids of Chi pre the whole pandemic. and he was saying that it was such a incredible experience to be back there doing that. And we were there. So it feels really cool that as well. Now this year for the first time, there was a VIP option for retreat. This included a full 24 hours of additional retreat immersion, full of nourishing and celebration experiences. Plus the three ladies who took the VIP option will get one-on-one coaching for the next couple of months to support the integration of all retreat offered these incredible souls. Now, I loved every moment of retreat for the entire week and I love the VIP experience with all my heart. That additional time with an intimate group of three was next level. Choosing special experiences to celebrate these women and keeping them a surprise was such a joy, right from what we did in the the Saturday afternoon once everyone else had gone home, to the dinner where we actually went to eat, to the the thing we did on the Sunday morning, to even traveling together as they were departing and I was coming to a new location. Everything about it, so much joy. And I can't wait to see who's going to join um, me and choose the VIP options for the 2024 retreats. Now, I've mentioned this already. In 2024, we're expanding and taking the Thrive at Leadership and Legacy Retreats to a new location. Now, Bali remains a focus and we will be there in August 2024. It is such an effortless thing for me to return to Ubud each year and to return to Bali. But after a nudge from someone last year, I decided to expand our list of destinations. And choosing where to go is easy for me. It really comes down to countries or locations I have traveled to before that I have a connection with and that fill my heart with a kind of energy that draws me back. So in March 2024, if you haven't seen already on my socials, to coincide also with International Women's Day, we will be going to the Reap region of Cambodia. Big breath out. I can't wait, can't believe we're going there. I first visited this glorious country around 15 years ago and fell in love with it. I just love Cambodia so much. There's so much to see, adventures to be had, ancient civilizations to explore, a fascinating culture and a people who are humble and welcoming. I really can't wait to get back there and to have a group with me to explore, excited and get excited all about Cambodia has to offer is just like filling my heart with so much of everything, everything and more. So, expanding to a new destination really was always on the cards. And in fact, in the future, we may well have two locations in Bali. That's something that I can see and sense and feel so much. My wanderlust heart will always be open to new places to explore. And when I fall in love with a country and a destination, I know I'll be considering how I can weave a retreat into the future there. Perhaps, though, in time there may be three or four or more retreats a year. I don't know. Let's see what the future holds for ThriveFactor co-retreats. I don't actually know what it will be exactly, but I sense an excitement about what is possible. And my visionary creator, Thrive to archetype 100% sees me co-hosting retreats with key to coaches who decide to do this and share their magic and expertise with women the world over. So stay tuned. You never know what will be in store if for 2024 and beyond. Now we're getting close to signing off for today's episode and I have a few little things to share with you. But before I do that, I just want to say next week we'll be back with a new guest, Sass Petherick, a coach who focuses on self-belief and offers a unique support experience for coaches that draws on a model traditionally seen in the therapeutic industry. I love connecting with SAS after finding her on Insta some time ago, and we had a blast creating this conversation to share with you. So you'll love it, I'm sure. So, before we wrap up for today, I want to share something I wrote and shared on my socials for maybe two or three days before we commence this year's retreat. Um, it summed up all of my feelings so fabulously. There's something about the anticipation of retreat group coming together that fills my heart and soul with an energy I don't often experience in my life and work at other times. It comes from the excited waiting for everyone to arrive the months and months of dreaming about what's possible, the even longer time frame of planning, booking, getting all the moving parts in order, the getting the communication ready to send to all those who've booked, checking in all the final details, finalising the paperwork, the program, the workbooks, the gifts, travelling to the destination, waiting for everyone to arrive. This energy is definitely one of eager anticipation, but also something else I don't exactly have words for. It's an energy that I welcome, energy I haven't felt. Until now, in such a long time. Energy I'm glad to experience again. And it's a handful of days till the 2023 leadership and legacy retreat for business women begins. And also time I'm finalizing dates in the two locations for 2024. Visioning ahead while also staying grounded in the present is an incredible thing. Have you ever been on an international retreat of some kind? I'd love you to tell me about what you experienced. You can do that. Send an email to hello at, at I'd love to know. My combined love of travel, my curious nature and commitment to working with inspired, ambitious souls individually and in groups definitely underpins my choice to host retreats. As I've shared, I first fell in love with retreats after attending the first international one maybe 12, 13 years ago. I forget which year, but I don't forget the experience and the profound effect it had on me. I vividly remember first attending a retreat in Bali and seeing myself hosting retreats of my own. While that vision took about six or seven years to unfold and become reality, I continue to stay connected to my vision and believe in its potential reality. This is a key part of the way I also work with clients. I see coaching as a form of connection, a supportive connection linking you more profoundly and at times with a different kind of intent to your dreams, your visions, your desires. It also offers opportunities for you to believe in and trust yourself, to move forward with reliable confidence, and to turn those dreams that often start as a little whisper in your heart into reality, into your lived experience. It's such an incredible thing to witness and be a part of. In the last few days, one of this year's participants described how affirming retreating with me over two and a half days in Australia in 2021 had been, and why it was an absolute honour and no-brainer for her to join me for this year's week-long experience in Bali and to have a friend join her because of her previous experience. The added benefit of travel just made it much better. I can't see a time I won't host retreats. They're a key part of my offerings, and I can't see that changing at all. So now is the time to think about whether a retreat may be just the right thing for you in your future. Imagine how you'd feel after a whole week exploring what's possible and intentionally creating and affirming foundations for your future growth and success personally and in business. The 2024 retreat data can be viewed in a link in the show notes for this episode, certainly all over my social media. If you're uh, on my um, email um, list and you receive communication from me via email, you'll get information there as well. But as of today when I'm recording this for you, there are actually three of the eight places secured for Campodia, with only one of three VIPs remaining. Imagine what's possible when you gift yourself the time and space to retreat. As always, Superstar Adventurous Soul, remember you were born to thrive and to follow your dreams, your visions, your ambition, your desire. I will always hold that reality for you, for me, for us all. Have the best week. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over.